Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What up, Bucks fans? We are back with another RBT live stream. It's Monday, so we're back here again talking some Bucks football. But we got a special guest on here tonight. Um, I'm joined as always by co-host Mark Ramirez, and we our special guest Max Brown. He does his own YouTube channel as well. Uh, former quarterback of USC and also Pittsburgh. And man, we're just really excited to have him on. Max, uh, thank you again for joining us. Yeah, pumped to be here. Yeah, Mark Michael, appreciate you guys and cool linking up offline and uh, pumped to pumped to chat for an hour or so. Okay, yeah, let's do this. So starting off, give us a little rundown. I mean, I know Michael gave you a little. Okay, USC Pittsburgh. I mean, you're what two time Mr. Washington Gatorade Player of the Year. I mean, give us. Yeah, I can give you a little bit of a rundown. Yeah, so back in the day, I was the number one quarterback in the country coming out of high school. So I uh, that was like Jared Goff, Baker Mayfield's class, Josh Allen's class, all those guys. Once upon a time, uh, your boy was uh, was the top dude, and uh, yeah. went to USC. Had a uh, bunch of offers back in the day, a bunch of cool schools. Went to USC, was there, and. Backed up Cody Kessler for a little while there. Started a few games in the 2016 season. Ended up getting benched for uh, good old Sam Darnold, another name for football fans. That's what forced me over to Pittsburgh. Had a, had a season there. Uh, and then ultimately, uh, NFL dreams didn't necessarily work out, but have transitioned into the, the broadcasting. And like you guys referenced, the YouTube world a little bit. But uh, that's the SparkNotes version of uh, right. the past, I don't know, eight years or so. I was wondering... Let's get his YouTube channel over here. Max Brown, it's in the name itself. Go over there, hit that subscribe button. It's already been done over here. We need to see you guys do it. Well, let's keep talking some football. Let's talk so quarterbacks. You know quarterbacks just a little bit. You played the position pretty much. So let's let's hear about our quarterback play, our quarterback position. We got Tom Brady. Every Buck fan play was never thought a chance. One in a million talk pretty much getting Tom Brady. So what did you see from Tom Brady? How was his year in 2020? Like, does he still have it? I mean, what would you grade it yourself? Yeah, I guess first, before I answer, what, what was the temperature like when you guys got Tom Brady? I'm always curious about that. Like to me, for your audience, I'm out here on the West Coast. Obviously, like Tom Brady, I'm following, I'm watching all, all of his film. But when he goes to the Bucks, like to me, 
it's kind of random. Like, are you guys on like cloud nine at that point or what's the vibe there? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, our first video was, was Tom Brady on this channel. I mean, we were super stoked to, uh, you know, I mean, he's, he's the goat. (laughs) I mean, you go from, and we'll talk a little bit about this, um, after, but like, you know, you go from Jameis Winston who, you know, super up and down quarterback roller coaster type of play where he can make amazing plays. And then it's like, what are you doing? And you go to Tom Brady, who's like just Mr. Consistent, you know what you're getting. He's going to be, you know, he's just going to put your, your team in a position to win every week. Uh, And usually he's the reason why you're winning. Uh, So it's, it's it's really awesome to, to have him as a quarterback. No, and I'll piggyback on that. The, the word that sticks out for me when comparing the difference between Tom Brady and Jameis Winston is just efficiency. Mm-hmm. And you can try to gear it up for something more kind of thought-provoking, I guess you could say. But when you turn on the film, it's efficiency. And it's highlighted in his quarterback rating. That's the biggest difference with 2019 Jameis and 2020 Tom is that 20-point differential, which is a – that's a big gap. That's the gap of – uh, all right, middle of the road team, below average team to, all right, you're winning the Super Bowl. Is that 20, point, 20 points in that rating? And what is that comprised of? It's comprised of completion percentage. It's, comp- it's comprised of money down execution. So third down and red zone converting in those situations. And Michael, you alluded to it. With Jameis, it was up and down. I mean, it's third down. You, you might be in for a big time completion of Mike Evans, or it's a catastrophic turnover and you're putting your defense in a tough spot. And so I talked about this, the reason that we connected or how we connected for your audiences uh, from a breakdown I did of the Super Bowl. And when you look at the Super Bowl, like I'm watching that as the, the quarterback lens that I'm in. And it's not anything that's like groundbreaking. Like when you talk about Pat Mahomes, you might be talking a few crazy throws a game kind of thing with Tom it's literally just taking what the defense gives them. And obviously to do that, you got to know what's going on. You got to be patient. You, you have, it's a skill to, to be patient and not press the issue kind of things. But with that Super Bowl, there were so many just efficient checkdowns, efficient throws that are not hard, but that's what makes Tom great is he knows his timing is always impeccable. He always gets the ball out of his hands. And that just mastery of the position is what Jameis didn't have. And that Tom does have. And, obviously all the leadership and intangible things as well. But I think that when you go down the stats, the QB rating is obviously the big one that, that, that sticks out in terms of the, dif- uh, the difference between both quarterbacks. And why is that the case? To me, it's just efficiency. One of my favorite lines as a quarterback is find yourself completions because completions lead to first downs, first down leads to touchdowns, and touchdowns lead to, to winning football. And I feel like Tom, that's like Tom Brady to a T. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, couldn't say it better than that. <laughs> and this is kind of cool. This is in the, the comments. Hunter Frost says, interceptions come to mind. Speaking of Jameis and his 30 interceptions he had in 2019, it, he just made it clear. It's cleaning things up, making the easy, simple read. Don't force what isn't there. Don't wait for that big play to be there. If it's something's there already, you got to win. Take it. Take that dump and I, off. And I skipped right. over that a little bit too. The interceptions, you're right. That's the big one. But I feel like everyone kind of knows that. So outside yeah. interceptions, all right, where else are we getting that? But don't yeah. get me wrong. Interceptions, front of mind, cannot turn the ball over uh, at, at the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. I think it just feeds to the notion. I mean, you don't have to always hit the big play. And people think the Bruce Arians offense, is that's all it is. Just four verticals and that's, that's all it is. <laughs> but, I mean, this is – Brady showed it, the mastery of it. Just the check down, 
is still alive. I mean, it's still a completion. It's still moving the chains like you alluded to. So, I mean, I really... And, ahead, and that's one a big thing with four verts too that football fans don't always realize is from a quarterback's perspective, four verts, uh, looks like we got a, got a little guest here, but uh, the, the four verts, one of the biggest components of that is the check down. When the defense does go soft, that's why offensive coordinators are calling that play the four verts is to, hey, Tom, if it's not open, check the ball down. And that's what literally all the greats, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, when when they're, when four verts is called, it can go against every single coverage, man, cover two, cover three, cover four. But it's always that, hey, if things go haywire, check it down to your running back. And fun tidbit for your audience, uh, Rojo, Ronald Jones was my running back in college. And uh, I love him, but he's the worst uh, in terms of hands that uh, I've had at the at the running back position. And I love him. And I would tell that to his face because he's he's got maybe the worst hands. He's got the best jump cut I've ever seen oh, yeah. from a running back. But yeah. – uh, it was uh, four verts. We got to we got to put it right right in the chest for my guy Rojo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Hold yeah. Up. No, no, that's true. That is Hold true. Up. But but he's a super talented runner. I mean, the dude knows how to run the football. But yeah, he's he's got to have it right in the bread basket to uh, to make that completion. Please elaborate a little bit more on that because I, <laughs> I just put those two together too. So like, yeah, because a whole there's a whole bunch of like there's a, a split on that too. Like the Jameson. Tom Brady argument. Mm -hmm. Then there's the, oh, Rojo can't catch. Oh, Rojo is a good catcher. You just got to give him the more opportunities. Mm -hmm. You're saying, unless it's in the bread basket, Rojo, yeah. not fumble it, but like bobble that thing, right? It's, it, it's a struggle. I'll never forget Rojo. This is when he had uh, the big old dreadlocks, uh, his mm -hmm. first practice at USC. And once again, I'm saying this because obviously he's doing just fine in the NFL. I wouldn't be saying this if it was uh, a running back that, not not collecting a paycheck still, but his first practice at USC, my man got a handoff like this. And I, I don't know, for those watching, maybe people doing audio, I'm, I'm doing like two hands over the ball at one uh, at, at the same time versus those that know uh, the running back position. You got to like open up like a gator with one arm below, one arm on top kind of thing. And Rojo said, I don't, I didn't do that in high school. Just give me the ball. He just kind of like smothered it kind of thing. That was the first one. I was like, this is division one running back at USC that's doing like that. It, on one side, I was like, man, that's a concerning. But I was on the, other, on the other hand, I was like, if this dude is doing that, he must be so good because once the ball's in his hands, uh, it, it doesn't matter. But in terms of the uh, the passing, yeah, I remember Rojo had uh, an appointment every 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 day after practice for 20 minutes on the juggling machine trying to uh, sure up the hands. And he's definitely a lot better now than where he once was. But I'll never forget young uh, young Rojo was, uh, was struggle bust with the uh, – with catching the rock out of the backfield. That's funny. Yeah. I, I just, I can't believe I forgot about that. All right. So also in the comments, I thought Max was Joe Burrow for a second. <laughs> you do. Hey, OD son, MA go scroll my, the comments on my channel. And, uh, that literally everyone says that it's the first three comments on every, every single one of my videos is, uh, Oh, Joe Burrow's older brother or whatever. No, I get it. Uh, I get that. I get the Beavis and Butthead dude. I got my big old uh, forehead. And then uh, there's this anime character that I guess uh, I look like as well. So not that this is uh, that, that type of audience. But, yeah, I get those guys all the time. They're like, oh, this is uh, Joe Burrow's like burner channel. Like, it's it's got to be him. I just put it together, too. Wow. I got to do a video soon of uh, I'm going to title like Breaking Down My Film. And it's just like. <laughs> A Joe Burrow, a Joe Burrow uh, analysis video, uh, 2020. Awesome. Yeah. Guarantee it goes viral. Guarantee. 
Just wear like a Burrow jersey too. Let it be known. That's a good call. I got to buy that. That's a good call. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I can't believe yeah. you're so honest about this. Awesome. Taking a break from my uh, knee rehab to uh, get up on the whiteboard. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's awesome. And it, it's it's funny you bring up Rojo because like Mark said, I mean, that is the debate. It's like, oh, do we draft another running back because we want, you know, a more complete back that can do, you know, more as far as the third down offense, you know, be that check down guy um, that can also pass protect. But, you know, I love Rojo. I love his ability. I mean, he's one hell of a runner. Like you said, he's very talented, but it's just like those two things he hasn't been able to put together yet as far as pass protection and also catching the football out of the backfield. So, um, yeah, that's definitely, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that position. Um, but I mean, like you were saying with the quarterback, I mean, you're, you're right on, I mean, with the efficiency, Tom Brady, I mean, he just understands how to take advantage of the matchups. He, he, he sees what's going on before the play even starts. And that's what gives him the biggest advantage. Like he knows how to identify it. He always used emotion, you know, to identify whether it's man or zone defense. So that's just, I mean, that's just what and, makes him so good. And I'll say this. If Rojo was getting that much run in the Super Bowl and throughout the entire run, like Tom's good with him then. Tom's giving the thumbs up because, as we all know, relatively speaking, running back's a replaceable position in the NFL. And so if Rojo wasn't getting it done, you better believe Tom would have his ass out of there uh, pretty <laughs> quick. And so right. T- Tom knows what's up. He's looking from the, the end zone footage of saying, all right, this guy's special. We need to get him on the field, even if that means he's going to drop a check down a game, which should never happen or whatever mm. it is. Um, yeah, I-, I-, I think he's good. But if that ends up being the Achilles heel and there's other answers, uh, who knows? Yeah. All right. Well- before we keep going on, let's let's actually talk about at Roblox Talks first sponsor. Hold on one second. We're going to talk about Symbol, the stock market for sports. If you guys haven't heard about this, it's a really cool idea. We've talked to the CEO of the of the company. Really cool idea. I really like it. I mean, what is it? How does it work? Let's check it out. Find your favorite teams, a la Tim Bay Buccaneers. If you're a Saints fan, woof. The thing is, you get your team, you earn win payouts. What happens? You receive 50 cents a share per share when your team wins. So, I mean, go ahead and gobble up some bucks stock and let's do this. And then you can trade teams like stocks. What do you, how does that work? Buy low, sell high, sell overrated teams. Same stuff. If you have Robin hood or one of these other trading apps, same exact stuff, really cool trade 24 seven. I really like the idea. If you want to learn more, just hit that play button. They'll give you a little rundown more, but we really like the idea. I already bought me up a, a Buccaneer stock with that said, guys, check it out. Our link is in the description. Hit that down below. Let's keep talking some Buck football and just NFC South football. So before we keep going, I actually want to, before we talk draft, Mm. let's talk NFC South. And we mentioned his name already, Jameis Winston. He's potentially going to be the New Orleans Saints quarterback, right? So do you think those little misfits, not misfits, or miscues, inconsistent consistencies he had in Tampa Bay, can be fixed up in that year that he had off to sit and look behind Drew Brees. Like, do you think he can be something in this new Sean Payton led offense? That's not as deep developing routes as Bruce Arians. Yeah, I need to, I haven't headline read in terms of what, I guess I've seen that it's going to be a true quarterback competition. And to answer your question, I don't think he's going to win it. I think Taysom Hill is going to win it. Uh, my fantasy team had a good, uh, good little day there when, when Hill got the, the, those couple starts he did back in the fall. And so, I guess 
A, that's that's the first stance I'm in. Secondly, I, I do think that the biggest thing, just as a quarterback mentality with Jameis going or moving from the Bucks to the Saints, is maybe he doesn't feel the need to win every game or put the entire offense on his shoulder. If in, in his mind he's saying, I got a really innovative offensive coordinator. I got some pieces around me. I just need to play point guard mode rather than super uh, Superman mode kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Does that help him? And I think the answer to that is yes. In terms of him going to the Saints, it's a fresh start. He was able to learn from Drew, and I mean, speaking from experience, obviously a different light. But when those expectations, when you go into a program that you're going to save the program, and mm-hmm. it's on you to drive the car in and out the, the whole time, that's a different mentality than hey, let me just go out there and and, and play point guard kind of thing and. I think that'll certainly help him if he gets a chance. But at the end of the day, I don't know about you guys, but I, I think I think Taysom Hill, and we'll see what happens, is is kind of the kind of kind of the dude. And I know it's going to be a, a battle, but that's that's kind of where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I kind of I agree with that uh, statement as well. I, I think Taysom is is definitely the the favorite. I think Sean Payton really likes him. Obviously, the contract that they've given him, you know, I think that speaks volumes. They definitely want him to. I think be the guy just because it adds more versatility to your offense with his ability to run and, and do different type of things, um, you know, for your short down distance and also your, you know, your play action passing game as well. So I think that's, I think that's where they, they want to go, but we'll see. It'll be an interesting competition for sure with Jameis. And I think Jameis can be better um, in that offense. I think it's uh, it's better for him to be more, I guess, up-tempo, to, to say the least, as far as, uh, you know, your passing, uh, passing game and your, your design routes um, that you have, you know, consistently with a Saints offense, because it's basically all timing. Um, so. And, and you guys, you guys gotta be stoked. It's probably a role reversal in years past. You guys are the ones with quarterback issues thinking, man, like we just got to yeah. find an answer. Now you found an answer in a 43 year old or whatever. And then everyone else, like all my comments are talking about, oh, what's Carolina going to do? What's Atlanta mm. going to do? I mean, Obviously, we just talked about the Saints, but literally you look at everyone else in the South, they got some interesting quarterback situations with, I mean, it's one thing to have a huge like void. Like if you're Jacksonville, like you got to get a dude. But the other teams, they can convince themselves that maybe they're a couple years out from making a change. Maybe this is the year they make the change. Do they trade back and get more picks and try to make a run at it that way? The South is is interesting. Yeah, that's a Awesome point, actually. I mean, look at usually it was always the Bucks. Like, Jameis, do they move on? Do they not? Do they keep them? Do they sign them? Do they franchise tag them? Now we know for without a shadow of doubt where a quarterback is. We don't know who the future is, which we'll talk about later. But look at every other team. There have been rumors of like the Falcons trading Matt Ryan's or move or possibly moving on. I don't know why, but they're doing it. And then look at the Panthers. They're trying to move up in the draft or even trade for uh Deshaun Watson, even though he has these 11 counts against him now like that number just keeps yeah. going up. I, don't, I don't know how this is possible it's like geez but uh there's that and then the saints yeah with Taysom hill and uh Jameis. so it's it's funny to see that role reversal it is really funny the the justin fields to atlanta hometown yeah. kid that one is that one's interesting to me and i guess i just like the, the the story in it a little bit but i also like matt ryan his days are probably numbered but mm-hmm. Um, that, that the, the field storylines, at least intriguing. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, that would be quite the story. I'm, I'm, 
I'm leaning. I think they're leaning more Kyle Pitts, and that that scares me too. I mean, that guy's just dangerous. But Kyle Pitts is my favorite guy in this draft. We can talk quarterbacks all day. If you don't, <laughs> if you don't know Kyle Pitts or you haven't, you know his name but haven't watched his film, it's it's crazy. I did a whole yeah. Kyle Trask breakdown, who's awesome. kind of my sleeper QB in this draft, and like I'm just watching game after game of Kyle Trask, and it feels like, man, I want to do a breakdown on this uh, Pitts guy. I mean, yeah. we're talking as unique of an offensive weapon as I can remember. I mean, I'll say it like in sense, like Calvin Johnson, like mm-hmm. I, it's, 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 it's crazy. And whether he's a tight end or just a huge receiver, we talked about Sean Payton earlier in terms of innovative offensive minds, like whoever gets a hold of him, like they're going to have uh, some unique offensive schemes, getting him involved in uh, all the formations and, and routes and all that. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. He's he's a monster. I mean, he ran a four four six today at, at his size. It's just uh, you you can't uh, can't teach that, or you can't you can't. Uh, yeah, that's usually not created. <laughs> not um, at all. Yeah, it's cr- it's created in Madden. Uh, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Now you have a good uh, year. Your speed rating goes up. I don't. I don't do it. It's, it's possible <laughs> according to Madden. <laughs> well, I mean, so we mentioned the FC South, all that. Good stuff. So I guess let's jump over to the draft, right? So who are – obviously, you mentioned Justin Fields. There's Trevor Lawrence. There's uh, Tre- Trey Lance and – who's Zach Wilson. Uh, Wilson. Wilson. Yeah. Of those top guys, I mean, obviously, a lot of people value Trevor Lawrence. He's probably going to be number one easy. Do you see he's easily your number one, or do you see someone kind of outmatches him in certain areas? Yeah, he's my number one. Uh, I don't think it's easily my number one. Uh, to me, I, I, my tiers are Trevor Lawrence, tier one, and then tier two by himself for me is Zach Wilson. And I think the gap from tier two to tier three is bigger than my tier one to tier two. So in other words, the gap from Trevor Lawrence to Zach Wilson is smaller than Zach Wilson to Justin Fields, in my opinion. I think Fields is the top of that tier three for me. Uh, and Zach Wilson, for those of you guys that maybe just know his name and have seen the draft buzz, I did a full uh, breakdown on him as well in terms of his entire game. I watched every throw from last year and kind of said, all right, here's the good and the bad. So uh, go check that out if, uh, if, if there's interest there. But in terms of the tier three, I think Justin Fields. And then I like Kyle Trask as that next guy. And that to me is the biggest difference with probably my board versus other analysts. I like Trask. I, I think he was forced to shoulder more of his offensive production than some of these other guys. Yes, his stats, I mean, you look at Mac Jones' stats, it's crazy, but uh, this is the the go-to Alabama line. He had a lot of help around him. And when you walk into a game as Kyle Trask, if you don't show up, Florida's not winning. Florida's not scoring points. Yes, I know he has pits. We just talked about him. But if you turn on the film – I felt like Trask was was forced to kind of shoulder more of that compared to the other guys, and that factor's big to me. I think that's a big reason why Justin Herbert was very good last year. You go back to his Oregon film, his receivers are dropping a lot of passes. His He's having to throw guys open, and I think that trait is something that when he, he made the jump to the NFL, he's like, all right, I can throw into tight windows. This is nothing new. I can do this thing, and I get us. I'm not saying Kyle Trask is going to be Justin Herbert, but I get a similar mold in terms of the responsibility that he had to uh, he had to shoulder. And then from there, uh, I go Mac Jones. 
And then after that, I go Trey Lance. So maybe that's another big difference for me as well. I'm not as high on Trey Lance. If he's a superstar here in a few years, uh, I will not be surprised. But right now, uh, I think it shows how good this QB class is for me. I just think Trey Lance, he has another notch to go. And I think he's going to have to go to a situation like a Green Bay a year ago with Jordan Love where he's going to have to sit and wait. And I think the fact that Trey Lance did not play or only played one game, four quarters, that's it this past fall, it's, it, 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 it hurt him a little bit. I think he could have used that next that, that whole season to grow and develop. And um, I, I have some concerns. This is one thing I get in arguments with people about this all the time because the talking point with Trey Lance is, oh, he's the most NFL ready. I agree with that in terms of he had the most NFL-like scheme, meaning under center, calling out the mic in, in run game and protections, having to do boot schemes and all that. But I don't think he was asked to uh, throw the vast array of throws like a Trevor Lawrence or a Zach Wilson was forced to do on a consistent basis. And what I mean by that is Trey Lance, a lot of flood routes, uh, a lot of over routes, a lot of similar play action type things, which is great, right? That's why North Dakota State's so damn good at the D1AA level is they have a lock-in offensive scheme. With Zach Wilson, on the other hand, that's one thing why people love him is he does the short game. He does uh, under center. He does deep posts. He does fades down the sideline. He does over routes. He does play action. He does it all. And uh, with, with Trey Lance, I don't necessarily see that. And with Trey Lance on third down, third and six, he's, he's got to get himself out of a bind. North Dakota State oftentimes did quarterback runs. And I don't think he will have the luxury of being able to do that at the NFL. And so when he's not able to fall back on that, sure, they'll do runs. Sure, his mobility is awesome. I, I like his pro day and I like the athlete that he is, but I'm just not as high on him at, compared to the other guys. If he's a pro bowler here in a few years, I won't be surprised, but it's a talented draft class. So you're, you're splitting hairs there with those tier three guys in my book. I have, I have a question. So you would, know this as well. So you're played the game, you've been at USC and Pittsburgh. When people look at Trey Lance or even Zach Wilson for that matter, when they think of like level of competition or, or speed of the game, like from different conferences or everyone says SEC is like right off from the NFL. They're, they're right there with the speed of the game. Uh, either way, there's going to be a jump. I don't, there's, I don't care what you say about it. There's going to be a jump, massive jump. What do you say with people that say, yeah, Trey Lance should not be because of his levels of competition, like you just mentioned, or Zach Wilson for that matter. What do, what do you think about that? Like, what is your experience as well? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question and a lot to unpack because Zach Wilson is interesting because BYU had such a weird schedule the past few years. I mean, there's a joke out here on the West Coast in 2019 that BYU should have been part of the Pac-12. They had like five Pac-12 games. And so, and we can get into the argument of where like Pac-12 stands on that. I think SEC in terms of defensively is in a level of its own. From there... The Pac-12 and the ACC are very similar. I actually would think the Pac-12, when I played, was more competitive top to bottom than the ACC. Yes, yes, the ACC has the premier Clemson, and they had Notre Dame last year. But the bottom tier of the ACC, there's there were some teams that are struggling there. And uh, I think the Pac-12, there's a reason that everyone keeps beating each other out here is because I don't think that it's absolute – struggle city at the bottom, but that's a, that's a conversation for another time in terms of uh, the Trey Lance competition factor. 
To me, is it a reason that he should not go at the top? No. But is it a big factor? Yes. And the biggest difference for me, and I alluded to this before, is the, the average difficulty level of each completion that you have. With Trey Lance, he has the luxury of throwing five-yard hitches with a corner 10 yards off and having that throw in his repertoire to get him in rhythm. With SEC guys, with a Kyle Trask, and he's going up against Alabama, and he's going up against big-time Georgia or something, they're not giving you that easy completion. Or maybe they do once or twice, but not four, five, six, seven times a game. And so that's where, and I kind of alluded to it before with the, the Trask and level of responsibility in terms of how tight of windows are you forced to throw into consistently? Yes, everyone can do it once or twice a game, once or twice a quarter kind of thing. But uh, with Trey Lance, he certainly had the luxury of there's some, some bigger time windows there. And not that he had the best of athletes in the world, but uh, it certainly is a factor. And you better believe every GM is, is weighing that differently. But you also got to fall, you also fall in love with a lot of things on Trey Lance's film in terms of the arm strength and the athleticism and all that that uh, certainly hold weight as well. Yeah, I had a I had a question on Trask. I, I I love him too. I think he's one of the better. You know, he's just got that touch pass, that anticipation in his game. Uh, but there is question marks with his arm strength. Do you see that as being a big issue, or is that something where he can work around it because he is so good as far as just finding windows, anticipating with you know good timing and and, and having good accuracy as well when he does have time in the pocket. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. That's a big area of concern for me. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. That that is the one thing that. That's that's the red flag, and especially with if he goes to an offense, if he goes to Atlanta, say, where they're going to play action and they're going to do big, deep posts down the middle of the field and big over routes, and he's going to have to throw the ball 50 yards plus consistently kind of thing, and is that the best offense for him? I mean, he's going to have to do that. He's going to have to throw deep in any offense, but that type of offense that really relies on it, Eh, that, that that might be a little tough. So, Michael, you hit the nail on the head. That's definitely an area of concern for me. But sticking in the, the, the NFC South talk, I mean, a guy like Drew Brees has done just fine. So you can do it without elite-level arm strength. But like you said, he's got to rely on the anticipatory throws, which he showed at Florida. But that, that could certainly be a couple of years from now if he does not make it, and it's because he's – just a half second late on a bunch of throws and he's not able to uh, get the ball out of his hands. I mean, another Tom Brady reference. That's where, Hey, Tom Brady, he's got a strong arm and he's money on the intermediate routes, but he knows, Hey, deep down the field, let's get the ball up and down out of my hands. Kyle Trask is going to certainly have to take a, a page out of those guys uh, versus compared to a Trey Lance. He's got an absolute cannon and they're <laughs> saying the, the strongest arm in the draft and yeah. whether that, gap is that large compared to a Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson? Eh, I don't necessarily think so compared to like a, a Josh Allen before where it's that dude has the strongest arm by far uh, circling it back. He doesn't have a Trey Lance arm and uh, Trask will have to make sure. Uh, yeah. An anticipation is his bread and butter with all his throws. Yeah. So there's one more comment about Trask and the Florida offense. So someone said, Chris Cole 97 says Pitts made Trask like Evans made Manziel. What do you think of that? Like Mike Evans making Johnny Manziel, Johnny football. And also, I always think no, – I won't leave it at that. Just what, what do you think about this? Pitts made Trask like Evans made Manziel. 
think it's interesting. Yeah. Um, at first glance, I don't disagree. I mean, with Manziel, I can I have flashbacks to some of those AM days where he's throwing dig routes 12 feet in the air and Mike Evans is going and getting a rebound and it was absolute lethal weapon in the red zone kind of thing. The one difference for me is Manziel's mobility. He got away with a lot in college that in the NFL, man, I don't care how good Joe Thomas is. Like those, those NFL DNs are a little bit different. And so that kind of caught up with him with Trask. He's not an elite athlete and he's never been able to bank on his mobility. So that adjustment or that rabbit out of, out of his pocket kind of thing, rabbit out of the hat, Trask won't have that because it never was a thing versus I think Manziel had some of the college things that made him Johnny football. That was so exciting. Any quarterback guru would say, yeah, he's not going to be able to get away with that in the NFL. So I think the comps, I don't mind the comp, uh, but I'll add a, a kicker in that I think Johnny uh, Manziel's heroics in college, amongst all the other stuff that we know about, I think just caught up with him in the NFL more than anything. I got to be honest. I was a massive Johnny. It was just so much fun to watch. Backyard football at the highest level of collegiate football, like that was insane to watch every every I, Saturday. The, the twenty the twenty six year old me still lives vicariously through Johnny. I see him on the Scottsdale golf course like every day at eleven a.m. I'm like, dude, dude's still uh, living it up. I have a feeling one of these days that uh, I guess I was about to say might catch up with him, but I have a feeling he's gonna be just fine for uh, the rest of the time. <laughs> Johnny football like that yeah. just rings a bell. Uh but it does. Let's keep going. So you you see Trask like literally tier three right behind the top two guys. So with that said, how high do you value him? You're, you mentioned the Falcons. Like, where would you take him? Are you, is he a first round quarterback in your eyes? Is he a guy that no one's talking about right now? And potentially he's going to be there. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll expand on kind of the, the tiers. I go, yeah, Trevor Lawrence at one. I'd expect him to go to Jacksonville for sure. Zach yeah. Wilson. I put him at, at tier two and I put him as a top five pick. Uh, I'm, I'm not in the camp that the Jets should draft Zach Wilson. I think they have more irons in the fire than just that. I think Sam Darnold has game left in him. You just need to put pieces around him. And uh, once again, maybe conversation for a different time. But I think Zach Wilson is in the top five and goes next. But after that, it's going to be kind of a, a hodgepodge, just whatever team – whatever team's drafting there and like they have their dude, whether that is Kyle Trask, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, uh, Trey Lance. I think you'll see those guys go from four to 20 in any order. It won't surprise me. Kyle Trask in my board is that fourth guy total after Justin Fields. I think Fields is the next guy in the mid uh, single digit picks. And then if I was picking, I'd go Trask kind of, Right there, late single digits, early teens, with then Mac Jones and Trey Lance shortly thereafter. But uh, like I said, those four guys for me are splitting hairs. What do you think of Trask as far as a potential fit for the Patriots? I just see like that, you know, typical spread offense where I think he could really succeed in where it's just, you know, you're just picking your options. Uh, You know, it's it's short anticipate, you know, anticipatory throws or your you know intermediate routes where I think his arm strength can be good enough and tight ends. Yeah, and tight ends. Yeah, tight ends. And tight ends and even bigger picture, like an entire franchise that has shown that they're willing to put pieces around guys. I guess as I say that, that's the whole thing that 
kind of Tom left, right? As they weren't necessarily going out and getting the receiver, but I guess a good organization, which for all these guys, talent aside, they got to get in an organization that's going to help them out. I don't care if you are Trevor Lawrence, if that doesn't work in Jacksonville, like, I don't care how good you are. You need, you need pieces around you. Um, but with Trask, I think at first thought, I think Patriots is a great fit, right? You go to a big time organization, you go to an organization that, Hey, Maybe Cam can be there for a year or two and you're able to ease in and the pressure might alleviate a little bit and you're not coming right after Tom Brady. It would have been a different ball game if you were a rookie last year having to walk into New England. The one thing that concerns me with that situation is if you're Kyle Trask and you walk into the NFL and you have an offense that has 25% of your playbook on game day, that is portioned out to Cam Newton mobility design plays, and you're having to battle that just back and forth scheme on a week in and week out basis kind of thing. Does that potentially stunt his growth or stunt his transition to the NFL versus if he goes to a, I don't know, Atlanta and it's behind Matt Ryan, which I guess I just used that comp before, but it's more of a pro style quarterback. Yeah. Eh, that's the one concern for me a little bit there, but high level Patriots with the pieces that uh, they're acquiring. I mean, obviously it's a world-class franchise organization. I think that's a good, uh, a good fit for, for uh, Kyle Trask. Yeah. But So before we keep going on guys, if you're in the chat, go ahead and give us a thumbs up for the live stream. We've got Max Brown in here talking to some quarterbacks. This is great stuff. Great content. I love it. We're learning. You guys are learning. It's just cool stuff. Let's keep going on. So we love quarterbacks. You love quarterbacks. I know you chalk it up all the time or whiteboard it up. So let's talk potential steals later in the draft. Who do you like? Who's your, besides Cal Trask, we know we just talked to him about the lot. So like later round guys, who do you, who do you see as a potential that could be something in the, in the league or has the traits that you think like maybe it's timing, whether it's arm strength, mobility, what something that you think translates over to the NFL. Yeah, what's interesting is when you go down most mock drafts, we've talked about Kyle Trask a bunch, and he's that sixth guy. But when you go to the seventh guy, the kind of widely considered guy is Kellen Mund. And a year ago, the seventh quarterback, maybe it was sixth or seventh, but was Jalen Hurts. And now, March of 2021, Jalen Hurts is an NFL starting quarterback. So who's that seventh quarterback this year? It's Kellen Mund. And he's, he's interesting for me. I actually trained with him when he was in high school. So it's kind of cool to see – the development that he's had. And I've talked about the average level of difficulty as a big trait for me when I evaluate uh, average level of difficulty for each completion as a big trait for me when I evaluate quarterbacks. Another big one for me is how many reps have you seen? How many bullets have you seen in your college career? With Trey Lance, I alluded to it. He's played a good amount of football. He's won a championship at the FCS level, but he didn't play last fall. And a guy like Kellen Mugg, He's played a lot of football at AM. And in terms of growing and adapting to the NFL, I like that sign, especially if you're a team that's looking to take a flyer on a quarterback in the third, fourth, fifth round kind of thing. And every year is different in terms of where that seventh quarterback goes. That's very interesting to me. And another guy, and it's not high on him per se, but it's interesting because in the same token, he's played a lot of football is Sam Ellinger. And I say he's interesting because a year ago, he was kind of, oh, bingo. He was that like fifth quarterback. This time last year, he was that cusp quarterback before, I guess Trey Lance was on people's radar, but 
maybe before Kyle Trask made a move, definitely before Mac Jones made a move, um, way before Zach Wilson made a move. Who was ahead of them? Sam Ellinger was. And he and now he's the 14th quarterback in the draft. There's guys ahead of him. Uh, Jamie, uh, Jamie Newman at Georgia, previously Wake Forest, is ahead of him. Felipe Franks, who, side note, strongest arm I've ever seen in person. Felipe Franks throws the rock like 85 yards and just long man shoot. So if you're a, if you have a soft spot for uh, arm strength, Felipe Franks is your guy. But back to Sam Ellinger, just how much he's dropped. And I think rightfully so, a lot of that's warranted. Um, I don't think you saw the huge jump that you would want to see from a quarterback as a junior and senior in terms of pocket presence and whatnot from Sam Ellinger. But if he goes to a team and the starter gets injured and he, he gets some reps and he's right now he's the 14th quarterback in the draft. I think he's probably a little bit better than that. He's a guy that's uh, intriguing to me. Yeah, I mean, I, he's almost like a bigger Tim Tebow, but better accuracy, I would think. I mean, mm. look at 2019, he was lighting it up. He was almost like point for point with Joe Burrow in that Texas LSU game. I mean, Joe Burrow, you're here with us right now, so let us know. Yeah, uh, I'm here, I know. <laughs> I, I mentioned I mentioned uh, Jalen Hurts. I, I kind of view them as comparable a little bit, Sam Ellinger and Jalen Hurts. Hurts yeah. might be – no, I think their mobility is pretty comparable. Hurts is better in the pocket uh at, at times i feel like ellinger does a little tries to do a little too much and his arm strength might be not not as good as hurts but i'd be those guys as as a little as comparable and goes to the eagles eagles need another quarterback on this on that roster he stays ready gets in uh he's one hit away never know mm. plus i'll let you talk on kellamond because we're big on him yeah kellamond is uh he's just very interesting because he's had you know, some up and down seasons, but I think he's gotten better, you know, as the years go on. I, I feel like he's, he's really good as far as decision-making doesn't really turn the ball over a lot. Um, you know, completion percentage could be better, you know, accuracy sometimes, you know, drifts during games, but I mean, he's got the arm strength. He's got, you know, a lot of good intangibles. I think he's a good high character dude that, you know, and plus he can run. I mean, he can run with his legs. So he gives you that extra mobility. Uh, but he doesn't really, you know, he doesn't have to lean on that per se. Yeah. Um, you know, he can still win with inside the pocket, which I think is good. And especially, I think, you know, he's had some, you know, uh, adversity as well, just with the talent level that's been around him. Um, I think that, you know, has kind of played a part to it, you know, receivers, um, not always helping him out, um, offensive line inconsistency there. Uh, so I really like Kellen Mond. I, I think he could be that guy that you look at, you know, maybe third, fourth round, um, somewhere in, in there, and you you take a flyer on him and see what you got. No, I uh, I follow what you're saying, and it's it's funny because I just sitting here thinking about Cullen Mond, and I haven't I've broken down all the quarterbacks ahead of him. Uh, so if you interested in in all the guys we've referenced, check out those videos. But Mond's the one guy like I haven't totally dove into him, but I watched him from uh, obviously games from this this past fall, and the guy he reminds me of a little bit is. A Colin Kaepernick in terms of his yeah. build a little bit. I'm not sure exactly how tall uh, Mund is, but in terms of physique and even throwing motion a little bit, uh, mm -hmm. a little bit on the on the skinnier side, but literally just if they had no jersey numbers or anything and it was black and white uh, uniforms, kind of comparable. And I, I Googled on the side, Kaepernick, he was the sixth quarterback taken in his draft and in the second round, so another QB-heavy draft. If Munn's that sixth, seventh guy, 
that might anywhere's uh isn't isn't Mun number seven i think uh i'm not sure mm-hmm. no he's 11 or something but uh 11, either, 11 yeah yeah either way kind of uh, a cool little comp there yeah, coaching changes too got jimbo in there still mm-hmm. downfield kind of offense i mean i know people buck fans are like oh no jimbo quarterbacks because of james winston don't don't relate a, a quarterback <laughs> just because of, of the head coach but either way he's got down the field accuracy down the field arm ability to throw that downfield threat that the supposedly ba every buck fan thinks that that's all we do it's not just that but i mean i just i've, I've liked him for like a couple of years now and i think he's he's got what it takes he just needs a little bit of grooming so mm-hmm. bring of that so i know the buccaneers we got our our old man at quarterback the goat you may have heard of him tom brady so we're not needing of a quarterback so what do you think of the potential the buccaneers actually Drafting a quarterback, the eventual, I guess, takeover or eventual starter after Tom Brady, do you, or do you think Tom Brady's going to go until he's 50? <laughs> it's, it's super funny you guys mentioned that, too. I was in a random uh, car ride last week, and someone was like, oh, I know uh, my my family friend, uh, his, his son plays quarterback, and he's the, the Bucks backup. And I was thinking, like, I know quarterbacks, and I couldn't tell you who the Bucks backup was. Like, oh, he's uh, – <laughs> Yeah, I'm buddies with his dad. I like golf with his dad all the time. Like, who the heck is the Bucks backup? And right now, I forget. And it was, I had to Google like Ryan Griffin. Like, I don't even know who that is. And I'm a quarterback guy. And I was, this man's been in the league for eight years, collecting paychecks. Like, I respect it. I'm like, hey, this guy's doing something right. He must be. He must. Hey, for football fans, if you're in the league that long and haven't really played, you must be awesome in the quarterback meeting room because that's a little fraternity in itself. I mean, you spend a ton of time in that room. So shout out Ryan Griffin. But uh, I guess give me more context on uh, on on your guy on the kind of quarterback landscape of what's gone down the past couple of years at, at, at in, in terms of the backup. Obviously, I know Jameis and the, the starters, but uh, behind the scenes, what, what's been the deal? Yeah, I mean, we, we really haven't invested as far as the draft goes, as far as draft quarterback uh you know we've had Ryan like you said for a long time I mean there's a little fan club for Ryan Griffin. I mean there's that one tweet they wanted Ryan Griffin to start because he was playing so up and down so, um we have Blaine Gabbard as well you're kind of going in and out really quick well I'll kind of I'll let it kind of I'm sorry I'll let it go for a little bit but I'll kind of jump off what you're saying mm-hmm. yeah so really right now Blaine Gabbard was the backup RG four, we call him, was the third string, but he's literally, yeah, you're not lying. He's been here forever in preseason. He lights it up. He doesn't have a cannon, but he makes good reads. He's consistent. I mean, he's Mr. Mr. August, right? He lights it yeah. up. In the preseason, So he does look good. In preseason. So his, his Super Bowl is uh, the preseason games. That's All right. right. Uh, I, I knew you guys had Gabbert. He Gabbert always looking, uh, always looking sharp at the, uh, on the sideline in the Super Bowl parade. And, uh, but, but but to me, at that point with Gabbert, like I think he's a solid backup. Obviously, it's not not necessarily. I mean, this might be a conversation. Would you rather have like Blaine Gabbert or Jameis Winston as your backup? Like that might be a, a conversation in itself. I'd I'd, I'd take Jameis. I'd be interested to see what your uh, what your what your guys' fans uh, have to say. And Gabbert's another another former uh, number one quarterback in the country coming out of high school. So I got a I got a soft spot for that. So. Uh, I like Gabber, but to me, you always, if you're an NFL team, you always got to be obviously preparing for the future and you cannot win games at any level 
without a quarterback. Maybe if you run wing T in high school, but outside of that, you need a quarterback. And so it feels like the timing is right for the Bucks to take a flyer on a late round type guy, especially when we're talking Sam Ellinger, who's a household college football name. He's the 14th quarterback in this draft. Another guy we talked about, uh, Jamie Munn, or uh, um, uh, the uh, Jamie, Wake Jamie Forest Newman. guy. Jamie Newman. Yeah, yeah Jamie mm-hmm. Newman. Uh, he's a guy that some people love this past offseason and thought that, hey, if he had a full season at Georgia, he could have made a Mac Jones-type jump, a Zach Wilson-type jump potentially. Obviously, it didn't work like that. But guys were talking about him like that. And so if you're the Bucs and you're saying, you know what? There's something to be said about that film. Turn on uh, on Newman's Wake Forest film. He gets a little wild with the turnovers a little bit, but there's a lot to like. There's a reason Georgia, mighty Georgia, was jumping jumping all over a, a guy like that in the transfer portal market. And so if you're the Bucks, you take a, a third, fourth, fifth, sixth round fly on a guy like that, and you move on from RG4 uh, and have and stash a quarterback like that, I think that t- that makes tons of sense, especially with the Bucks. I mean, Tom said it right. We're bringing the whole crew back. We're we're we're, we're running this thing back. And so, if you're not in desperate need in, in the draft, I love it. Let's prepare for the future and and draft a quarterback that uh, you, you might like a little bit. No, plus you're back now. We're, we're yeah, yeah, I'm back now. But uh, yeah, no, I agree with that 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 take. I think definitely you want to invest in the quarterback position. You know, my philosophy if I was a GM, you know, I draft a quarterback every year. But that's just that's just me. I draft quarterback, left tackle, defensive end, you know, receiver, cornerback. That's usually the positions you want to invest heavily in because those are the key spots. Um, so. Yeah, I really like the idea of taking a quarterback um, on day three um, and, you know, someone that has upside, someone that you can work with and maybe develop and, you know, eventually take over as your starting quarterback. My brother would uh, get along with you well. That's his NFL draft take too. Draft a quarterback every year. Why not? Have that Mm -hmm. just be your standard because you just never know. And I always push back on his take or I guess, Michael, your take with that is with the NFL nowadays – there's so few reps, so it becomes hard yeah. to truly progress, uh, like progress guys. And before 10 years ago, you would get full off seasons and you would get full preseasons to truly evaluate a quarterback a year versus now. And a guy, as I say, that take or my counter to that take, a guy that comes fresh of mind to me or front of mind to me is Jared Stidham, where mm-hmm. you need like three seasons to truly evaluate and maybe this 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 ship's already sailed for him, but truly evaluate kind of is he going to make it in the NFL? You kind of need to take a flyer kind of every couple years, in my opinion, to truly give a guy a chance. And maybe that clock shortens if you're running a more uh, cutthroat operation like Michael's uh, Michael's management would. But uh, I, I think that the thought process is spot on in terms of you just never know at the quarterback position, can never have too many capable arms and – if you like a guy, especially with those late round picks, might as well take him. Yeah. Well, with that, I mean, so this is a good question here. So, what's the success rate of the sit and wait quarterbacks? So that's mm-hmm. a good question. But I guess also when you're looking at a, a team, or you yourself when you grade quarterbacks, what is some trait that you value really, really high? I mean, it's, I mean, arm strength. Yeah, you, you either have or you don't. But what is it like of a trait? on the field that you need to have because guys are coming down on you. Like there's four or five, if you got a blitz coming, like mm. you got to be able to cool under pressure. Like what is it that to you 
would say like, that's the biggest thing you need a quality in a quarterback. And maybe it is something that they have later in the rounds, but they just need to sit and let them develop in the, the system. Right. Yep. And uh, in, in terms of success rate of sitting rate QBs, we got to keep in mind, there's a reason those guys are sitting and waiting. Trevor mm-hmm. Lawrence isn't sitting and waiting. So like most of those guys, they're not going to make it because just taking the average of the talent, like there's a reason they're, they're sitting initially. So that, that's one little, little, little take there. But uh, in terms of stats or, or traits that I'm always paying attention to, and we started this conversation talking about completion percentage, and that's a big one when, when draft kind of comes around and is Josh Allen comes to mind in terms of a guy that that was the big talking point with him is he didn't have the completion percentage. And that was a big concern going in the NFL because you can't complete balls in college when the window should be wider than they are in the NFL, man, that's going to be tough when you move on to Sundays and uh, those windows get tighter. So completion percentage is a big factor for me with success rate trans uh, translating from college to the NFL, because uh, yeah, just being efficient, all the, all the factors we've talked about. The other trait that I think goes widely underappreciated that I probably put more weight on than, uh, than other QB evaluators. And the reason is because you can't really quantify it. It's something you have to see and know the game is a quarterback's ability to get to his third progression. And I I say third on purpose. Every quarterback can get to his second progression, right? You you teach a read, you're high-lowing a defender. It's A, B, it's one, two. It's sticking on your right, the the right side of the field and you got one route that's going in one direction and my second rec, my second reads right below him. But the third progression, that's where you have to move your base. That's where you have to move your eyes. That's where, Oh crap, there's someone in my face. That's where I'm off my platform. And so that to me is a huge factor. If a guy is good and quick and efficient at getting to his third read, Man, he's got a he's got a, a green light for me in my book, and that's one thing. All right, how has Tom Brady been dominating the league for twenty years? ABC, real quick, one, two, three, real quick. He is not all the greats. Ben Roethlisberger, Drew Brees, they're getting to their third progre- pro- progression so fast, so fast that the average football fan is probably saying, "Oh, it's a second, that's a second progression." No, he's eliminating the first reader. He's eliminating another option before he's even getting there, and uh, another. Uh, kind of argument thread that I've got on my channel. I did a big breakdown on Jalen Hurts. It's one of my best videos on my channel uh, about his past season. And going into the NFL, my big concern with Jalen Hurts is he was great at getting from A to B, from one to two on, on, on those reads. He was rock solid. And so everyone kind of fell in love with, man, he's great in the pocket. Got to give this man some credit. I do not think he is strong at getting to his third progression, and I think that still holds true in the NFL. He's great when you give him a high-low read, but when he's got to get to third and especially fourth, we didn't even open up that can, but having to get to your fourth progression, that's where ah, I have some concerns there, and so that's a factor for me that uh, I always hold uh, close to my heart when uh, evaluating college quarterbacks. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because, like, when I watched Carson Wentz, you know, especially during his MVP type season, we saw a lot of that on tape where Carson, he would be really great at that AB, you know, single high kind of read where they would just simplify the offense for him. Run pass and, options, right? Yeah, run pass options, you know, real quick decision making where it's just, okay, if he's not open, we go to the next option. And I saw a lot of that. And maybe that's why Carson has, 
you know, struggled lately here because he does struggle to get to that third progression. Yeah. And Carson, that's a whole another can. I mean, a lot of his is I think uh, mental as well. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. you can get into some of the, the fundamentals and why are the fundamentals happening? Is he overthinking uh, offensive line obviously struggles. So there's, I think, a lot of little factors with Carson Wentz. It's not everyone wants kind of the one big factor. And I, I think yeah. that's not necessarily the case for him, but Carson Wentz is a very interesting. I mean, we're obviously nerding out on quarterback talk right here, but he's a very interesting case study because of the fall from grace. And yeah. does he in 2021 fresh start, great franchise, great defense, some weapons on offense. He's got a run game. The quarterback in me is saying, man, those are all the pieces you need to find success. Like it, it's go time for a redemption tour for Carson Wentz. Yeah, yeah I agree. And, I, and I'll also just added, this is random, uh, but I think Sam Darnold is is in a perfect fit for what that coaching staff is going to bring to him. I think Matt, the, the Matt Fleur or the Matt LaFleur offense, I think is a perfect fit for what they're going to do. I know it's Mike LaFleur now, you know, running that offense, but I, I think, I think he's going to be surprising some people if, if he is the quarterback of the Jets. I'll just say that. Yeah, I mean, Sam's a good buddy of mine. Even though he beat me out, I, we, we still stay in touch, and I'm pulling for him. That fran- The Jets franchise, I mean, we talked off air. Maybe it was on air, but uh, we talked about Dan Orlovsky and, and some of the, mm-hmm. the Lions. Like, Lions in the 2000s, awful. Jets, man, this is struggle city out there. And if you could put any quarterback there, they wouldn't find success. They need to get some pieces around him. I'm not giving up hope yet. If uh, I was kind of hoping that Indy would try to make a trade for him and because that mm-hmm. franchise, I mean, obviously, like we just talked about, they got some good things, but I'm hoping Sam, Sam's got some football in front of him. Don't, uh, don't count him out. Absolutely. I mean, no, you, can't, you can't. I mean, like you just said with the Belt of Jets. They had the Sanchez, to be honest. You know, <laughs> the Sanchez butt fumble. Yes. <laughs> but here's a good question. So Johnny Dean said, if a QB goes to a system that develops them, but there are a few teams that have a staff designed to develop them. So this brings me to a point. So he's talking about developing quarterbacks, a system to develop quarterbacks. When I read that, I see it as more as system quarterbacks in the college level moving into the NFL level. Like, I think a lot of it is, yeah, you learn four years, three or four years in the college ranks, a system. And if you dra- get drafted to a team, it's telling you to do a total different thing that you're, you're starting from ground zero again. So you're having to learn as you're being told to perform. If you're a first, first round quarterback, do you see it as that? Or like, how do you see, like, do, should you get drafted to a team that is playing similarly to you or mold to you? Or should they, no, they, they're a first round quarterback. They should adapt to everything. How do, how do you feel about that? A little bit of both sides. I think you, you're spot on in terms of, is it the system that's developing guys or is it just the fact that they had pieces aligned that made that development easier? And I think I probably align more, I guess, or with the second factor, I think there's not really, and I didn't play in the NFL. So take everything I'm saying with a grain of salt. I wasn't in QB meeting rooms, but I do know the game. And my gut says that there aren't really systems that are developing quarterbacks. There are situations that develop quarterbacks. If you go, and you sit behind Aaron Rodgers or, excuse me, Brett Favre for Aaron Rodgers' sake, that's going to be a system that is conducive to developing a quarterback because he is able to learn the ropes behind the scenes. 
If you go to Kansas City and you sit behind Alex Smith for a year and you have an elite coach in Andy Reid, maybe there's the counter argument to my argument. Maybe that is a system learning from Andy Reid, all those nuggets. That is a system where it is conducive to developing quarterbacks. That's going to be an advantageous situation. If you go to a scenario where you're going to throw the football 45 times a game, your defense isn't great, your run game's not great, that's not going to be awesome for developing quarterbacks. The best case study for me uh, that I always bring up, I don't forget exactly what year it is, I think it's 2012, the Russell Wilson, RG3, Andrew Luck class. There's a world, and obviously Andrew Luck retired, but there's a world where I think RG3 could be the Russell Wilson right now. And you can call me crazy, and I get that. But Russell Wilson, when he entered the league, he had one of the best run games in the, in the league, Marshawn Lynch. He had the best defense, you could argue, this century. Early Russell Wilson was play-action handoffs. Play-action, play-action, play-action. That's real nice as a quarterback to grow into for the first few years. Then Seahawks fans are like, let Russ cook, right? That was the whole thing. Let Russ cook, let Russ cook. Because that offense was so structured to developing a quarterback. And it was like, all right, we need to release the training wheels. And at that point, it was kind of like, we need to uh, let Russ cook. But I say that because that was a situation where he was able to grow. RG3, different animal. He was forced to drive the car wholeheartedly early on. And obviously his career went down a whole different path. Andrew Luck, similar beast. Andrew Luck was so good that he kind of overcame some of that. Uh, But I say that because it just shows the different systems you get into, certainly uh, conducive to developing quarterbacks. And for all this stuff, any situation you go to as a quarterback, uh, it's got, you got to have pieces around you to find success. I don't care how good you are. Something funny you just described that crap situation sounds like Sam Darnold. Just saying. Mm-hmm. 100%. 100%. <laughs> totally. And then someone else to add to that good running game that helps you out with the play action pass, Matt Ryan starting off. Again, same. The burner Turner was over there. Just hand it off. And then if you didn't, mm-hmm. get play action working like bread and butter. So I think that it all applies. I mean, running game, a great tight end. I mean, hell, I mean, all that does apply. It's it's not just mm-hmm. this, what you have available to you, too. I mean, it's not all just decision-making. It's can you make a decision with something that's available for you to throw to? <laughs> yeah, another quarterback we haven't talked about today, but that I'm fascinated with in that similar topic is Matt Stafford mm-hmm. going to the Rams. Obviously, he's not a youngster. Obviously, he's long past the developmental stage. But him going with a Sean McVay offense, and I know the, the Rams don't necessarily have a, a bell cow back. I'm sure Rams fans probably hope that Cam Akers can get there. Mm-hmm. But that scheme, a run-first mentality with Matt Stafford, not hit, him not forced to play Superman mode, don't sleep on Stafford making a, a big jump for a lot of the reasons uh, we've kind of just t- touched on. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, and man, this has been awesome. Uh, again, it's it's crazy that we've already gone an hour, but just a lot of great information. Max, again, we appreciate this so much. I hope, you know, I'm sure all the fans have learned something. We've learned something. So this has just been great. And I hope we can, you know, do this again sometime in the future, you know, maybe after the draft and, and talk some of these, you know, prospects um, and where they land. But, uh, you know, uh, go ahead. I'm going to uh, let you take it away, Max, um, you know, Tell you know, talk about your channel and you know where people can find you. Totally, yeah. No, if the Bucks draft a quarterback, you guys uh, will for sure have to have me on 
that that Monday after. I guess you guys have a bunch of topics, but two Mondays after we can come and talk uh, talk QBs or whatnot. But no, this is dope. Bunch of good topics. Uh, but uh, yeah, where you can find me, we've talked about my YouTube channel. Be sure to uh, head over there, hit the subscription button. I, I do a lot of. Uh, you can see the whiteboard behind me. Do some film breakdowns there, and then I also. I've talked about it, but uh, my story uh, from being a five-star recruit to obviously navigating uh, the, the post-athletic world with with things not necessarily working out. I, I talk a lot of content, uh, talk a lot about that as well. So kind of a unique uh, lens there. And follow me on Instagram as well, Max Brown with an E at the end. And then my uh, Twitter at Max Brown 4 Brown has an e, e at the end once again. And uh, yeah, hit me up there. Love uh, interacting with you guys and pumped to bring more football content on my channel. So if you're uh, subscribing to Michael and Mark's channel, Real Bucks Talk, be sure to uh, throw me the follow as well. Awesome. Mark, you have anything else to add? No, thank you very much, Max, for being part of the channel. Great content, guys. If Whoever's in the chat, go do it right now. Go subscribe now. Like any video you see because I'm about to go jump on that Kyle Trask video because he talked him up. So, guys. Go check him out. Thank you for being part of the, the show with us. Max, thank you so, so much. Hopefully we do see you after the draft. Hopefully we do get a quarterback. That's what I'm hoping for. But that said, guys, until the next one, and as always, go Bucks. Go Bucks. Thanks, guys.